The show starts in three, two, one. There goes that man's jockstrap. <laughs> oh my God, did you see that? <laughs> America's team? Yeah, right. Oh, baby, it's a big day in sports. There's nothing like battling it out with your teammates all season long to go win a championship. Green Bay's got it this year. Huge move for him. I think it's going to be a game changer. We have a lot to talk about this busy week in the sports world. Welcome to the In a League of Their Own podcast. The In a League of Their Own podcast is brought to you exclusively by YouTube. Buy golf kicks. Screw your shoes. Buy Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Buy Canadips, a CBD pouch crafted and manufactured in Humboldt, California. And buy Streamer Loot. Check out the In the League of Their Own merch line today. Welcome to the show. Here are your hosts, Austin and Colin. Hello, hello. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going, you know, the wonderful weekend of the vehicle disasters. And yeah. <laughs> we're here on Tuesday ready to do the podcast, so it's, everything's turning up. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good holiday weekend. The end, uh, Like you said, the end of it was kind of a shit show. Um, I guess, long story short, both of our vehicles took a shit on us on the same day, on the same afternoon, uh, on Sunday, trying to come home from family from the holiday weekend, so um still sorting that out but nonetheless here we are um another episode um as always appreciate everybody stopping in make sure you check out all of our socials uh you can find them all in the description link below instagram tiktok twitter um anything outside of these episodes every week breaking news uh scores of our favorite teams uh usually posting stuff there uh audio and or yeah, for our audio episodes, uh, you can check out Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere associated with Anchor. Um, as a, always, uh, five-star ratings help us move up the charts there. Um, and our merch as well. You can also find that in the link below. Uh, t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, all that good stuff and help us rep the pod. And then lastly, here on YouTube, make sure if you're enjoying the content, you hit the like button below and subscribe to our channel, bell notifications, so you know when all of our episodes are posted. And one last thing here, starting on Friday, um, we will be broadcasting certain episodes on the app ColorCast. Uh, we've been offered an opportunity uh, by them, so that is another company that you will start seeing and being tied to us in the future. Yeah, looking forward to it. Again, just another way to get our name out there. Again, they're kind of an up-and-coming sportscasting app over the past year or so, and they've been seeing a lot of growth. And it's always good to see other brands reaching out to us, saying, hey, we love what you guys are doing. We love to work with you. So, um, yeah, with that being said, let's dive into our NFL content. Uh, what do you got for today? So going all the way back to Thanksgiving Day, Bears, Matt Nagy was on the hot seat. Then pulling out the victory 16-14 to 14 over the winless Lions. Do you think he he keeps his job through the rest of the season? Uh, I mean, he's, very, he's on thin ice. He's been on thin, thin ice all year. I'm honestly surprised they kept him as long as they have already. Um, the win of the Lions definitely helped them get back in the right direction. By no means are they in any playoff contention or anything like that to where um, 
I don't know. Like if it was, if I was in that front office, I would say two more losses and you're gone. Like if they next two weeks, they lose, um, or a situation. Packers. Oof. <laughs> so they're, they got, they got a tall task ahead of them just to try to get one of them. Um, but they do host both of them. Don't or no? They go to Green Bay, but they host Arizona. That's right. Yep. And then they have the Vikings at home, on the road at Seattle, home against the Giants at Vikings to end the year. Hmm. So they have a tough sled. Now. Yeah, they do. I don't know. I. I mean, for the sake of having a young quarterback in Justin Fields the earlier you can get a new coach in there and start building and working with him and getting reps, the better. Um, so in that case, him being get, hurt. yeah, I don't know. It's a tough, it's a tough situation. Again, they're not eliminated yet though. I feel like maybe one more loss would put them in that two, three percentile of like, this has to go right. And you have to win out to make it. So I could see maybe after they're eliminated from playoff contention, then we start seeing a more serious conversation of him getting removed. But if it's within the last two or three weeks of the season, I could see them letting him finish out their year. But I don't know if it were me, I would, after the next loss, like they're expected going to be expected to lose to the Cardinals, but if they lose like 40 to nothing, or it's just some complete blowout and they just look distraught, then all right, you're out of here, but there's going to be enough or a tough two weeks for him to try to get a win. Yeah, I I think they if it were me personally, I'd I'd say stick out the rest of the year and let's start lining up who we're gonna bring in immediately following the season being over. Mm -hmm. I feel like it'd be a tough, especially for Justin Fields, it'd be tough in his situation to you get in a new guy who brings in his new offensive coordinator and it's completely different plays, different this. It's like you, then you wasted this guy's full first year for what? Yeah. Nothing. You might as well stick with him, let him continue to get his reps, continue to learn underneath Matt Nagy. And yeah, it's tough sledding, but I think at the end of the year, for sure, he's going to be, I don't, I don't see them. It just doesn't make any sense to me to release him at this point in the year. You're way over halfway. You're basically been knocked out of the playoffs for two weeks now, almost. Given mm -hmm. how separated that NFC is, you're catch. You're chasing the Vikings. You got to play them twice yet. Which, if you lose against the Cardinals and the Packers, it's over anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I feel like they just should let them ride it out and yeah, start eyeing up. Eyeing up a new, a new head coach. Yeah, I mean, either way, and this, he's not going to be a head coach next season. I feel like that's kind of known, um, just because of the expectations that were put on him this year. The what we want to see improvement. We want to see a winning season. We want to play it like a playoff run, and he hasn't checked any of those boxes. And on the along the way has looked incompetent at times with his quarterback decision-making, which as you talked last episode may or may not be his call in the end anyway, but, but yeah. Um, my first question for you today, uh, after their Monday night win over Seattle last night, the Washington football team 
is currently the number seven seed in the NFC. Um, they're rolling on a couple win streak now over some good teams. Uh, are they a team to be worried about come January or are they going to fall back out of contention here in the next couple weeks? Personally, I feel like they fall out of contention. I feel like I still feel the Eagles are still going to rise up out of that division. Um, I see Washington falling. I don't see – I see them and the Giants both passing this Washington football team here down the stretch. They have a tough slate of games ahead of them, especially these next two are basically – I don't want to say, like, must-win games, but they're almost must-win games for this Washington football team. Um, Giants and Jets, right? Are the next well, two? Well, no, they have at Vegas. Oh, yeah, that's right. Dallas comes to town. Then they're at Philly, at Dallas, home against the Eagles, and then at Giants. So it's like they have a tough game every single week. They're playing a team every single week who's fighting for their playoff life. So they're basically playing playoff games the rest of the way out. And I just don't – with their two losses on defense with Chase Young and Sweat both being out for the year, I just feel like that that was the biggest loss that that team really needed to get down through the stretch of games here coming home. I just don't see them really putting up a fight here these last handful of games. Granted, they are in a three-game heater. Yeah. Against like teams that they were expected to lose Panthers to. Panthers and the Seahawks. Which I think that they were all underdogs in. They were favored against Seattle. Oh, okay. But the other two, they were underdogs. Yeah. And because that was Cam Newton's big homecoming. Yeah. All about his first game. And, yeah, Taylor Heineke outbattled him. It's going to be in his hands, I feel like. If he, if he has one of those games that he has had three interceptions, they lose. If he's a game manager and continues to be consistent like he has been over this last three games, nickel and diamond it down the field, taking what the defense gives you, not forcing the ball. I mean, your defense, you're riding your defense right now. And, and that Gibson, your running game, you're riding that right now. And until the wheels fall off, we shall see. But they are playing some pretty good teams coming up. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, moving on then next to your next question. Do you think the Browns make the postseason after they stumble at Baltimore? I don't because at best they're going to be the third best team in that con in that division right now. Um, Baltimore is the one seed in the AFC right now. Cardinal or uh, Bengals look like they're kind of getting their swagger back. They're starting to trend back up. Um, I guess the only thing going for them is next week, Baltimore plays Pittsburgh. So if they want to stay ahead of Pittsburgh, they bank on the Ravens stomping the Steelers and then the Browns have to get a win next week. Um, but again, I don't know. As we've talked about time and time again, Baker Mayfield's just not the guy for them. Um, it seems like they're trying to lean on him more, even though they have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield. 
where they need to start becoming probably the one, one is big, one of the biggest run heavy offenses in the league, if they want to start winning football games. Um, and against Baltimore, uh, you pick off Lamar Jackson four times and you still lose the game. <laughs> like uh, your, it's, That's your offense's problem. Your defense is literally like out there busting their ass, doing what they need to do, getting you multiple turnovers, and you can't – if they would have turned those into field goals, half of them into field goals, they would have won that game. Um. They, they tur- that defense turned and looked at Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb and said, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. We got you four turnovers and you couldn't score one touchdown? Yeah. Like Kareem Hunt had 20 yards. Nick Chubb had 16. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield had one touchdown pass. Granted, f- finally we got to see Jarvis Landry have himself a day. Six for 111. But other than that, they got nothing going. There were a lot. There were a handful of drops on the last drive by Baker Mayfield to close out the game. Potentially, he could have, but shoulda, woulda, coulda, didn't happen. Every time he's put in that yeah, situation, like you, you never said, see a Browns win. No, yeah, it's always a Baker Mayfield interception or a turnover on downs on the fourth down that they have to do to keep the drive going. You never see them. They don't even get in the red zone. I feel like they barely get across midfield before that pick happens or they get stuck in a fourth and long they just they can't even put themselves in a position to win these games yeah they really can't and their defense is kind of falling off um don't get me wrong playing against lamar jackson it's got to be the most difficult quarterback to play against as a defensive lineman because of his escape factor and that team's in a hole and they have some tough games coming up ahead of them Mm -hmm. too yeah, I mean, in the AFC North, I mean, AFC West is the toughest division in the NFC. AFC North is probably up there with the, I mean, as a whole, I'd probably say they're the best AFC division. Well, actually, that West, I forget about the West. West. Yeah. yeah. But I guess as far as competition, the AFC North is the closest, I guess is the way to put it. Just with the bottom team and the top team, how close it is. But as these weeks have gone on, the past couple of weeks, you're starting to see a separation of the Ravens to the top, the Browns keep slipping, and the Bengals are kind of hanging on. The Steelers, that one tie, if they're able to turn that into a win, they're right there, right there neck and neck with the Bengals. Um, yeah, they'd be a game behind the Bengals. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to make it just because they're – even though they would be ahead of the Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos right now, as far as postseason. What what seed are they even in? Are they in right now? As it stands, it is Bills, or excuse me, Ravens, Patriots, Titans, Chiefs. Then the next three teams would be Bills, Bengals. Colts at six and six and the Browns are six and six Steelers are the game back behind because they're five, five and one. They have that one less win. So yeah, the Browns, I guess, technically are tied for the last fucking wildcard spot right now. 
Yeah, but given the teams who are behind them, they're trending up. The rounds are trending down unless they can do a 180 in less than a week. Well, because all it takes, all it takes is Chargers, Raiders, Broncos to all win a game because they all had their bye weeks, and now the Browns have theirs coming up. I think theirs is next week after the Ravens. But yeah, I mean they're one win away, and then those teams go to seven and five, and they fall all the way down to the bottom, mm-hmm. right ahead of Miami, who could catch them. Jets, Texans, Jags. You're going to fall right ahead of the Texans and Jags. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're still right on that bubble, but nothing about the way they played lately tells me, oh, yeah, they're going to be there come January. So, um, yeah, I agree. Baker Mayfield's not their guy. Say it week in and week out. I think this might be the offseason where they let him go. Mm-hmm. Well, because you're starting to see that team implode. The defense is getting upset with the offense because they're unable to turn into points. Members of the offense are getting upset because they're not getting the looks and touches that they want. And they don't have OBJ to, to blame everything on. No. <laughs> Which he's easy to blame on because of his ego and charisma, but now it's starting to fall into Baker Mayfield's lap. and He hasn't been getting it done. No. Um, moving on here to somebody who is getting it done. Uh, after Rogers' performance against the Rams' defense, does he deserve to be at the front of the MVP conversation now? The Colts, Jonathan Taylor loses, gets shut down by the um, Patriots' defense. Kirk Cousins takes a loss. Lamar Jackson has a four-interception day. All the guys who were supposedly ahead of him in the MVP race all either took L's or just had a bad day. So does this move Rodgers back up to the top? I actually think Kirk Cousins should be the number front runner right now. 23 touchdowns, three interceptions. Rodgers has 23 and four. Kirk Cousins also has about 200 more yards than Rodgers. Um his QBR is only 0.2 lower, so it's right there. Um, like, he's having a phenomenal year, and just nobody's talking about him because mm-hmm. their team lost so many close games. But you have to realize they wouldn't even be in those close games if it wasn't for him airing it out and getting it. Like, what he's doing is, is pretty impressive. And mm-hmm. another person who a lot of people I think are sleeping on, Derek Carr, leading the league in passing yards. Granted, he only has 17 touchdowns, nine picks, but leading like, the league in, in yards, and he, he's already had his bye week. <laughs> yeah. Like he he's cruising. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, he's you know, he's in that discussion as well. Mahomes, if he continues to keep lighting it up. Like, but I feel yeah, like Kirk Aaron, has the opportunity. Rogers, I, I, feel, I feel like the three people I would literally put as the front runners would be Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Jonathan Taylor would be the four. I'd take Stafford out of the equation, and you could either put Mahomes, Herbert, or Derek Carr for that fifth guy, fifth spot. 
Mm-hmm. But Jonathan Taylor's in that conversation as well as Kirk Cousins, Rodgers, and Tom Brady. And I feel like Kirk Cousins has kind of inherited the best situation. As a team, the worst situation, but personally the best, with Delvin Cook going down with a shoulder injury, possibly being gone the rest of the season. If he's able to turn that team around and sneak them into the playoffs and keep airing it out, you almost have to give him the MVP if he's able to do that without his star running back. Um, so now that he's been out multiple weeks already earlier in the season, he's mm-hmm. also had a lot of a lot of a lot of guys banged up on their defense. He's had to pretty much carry their team, and he's he's pretty much done it so far. Him, Justin Jefferson, and Thielen, those mm-hmm. three guys literally have carried pretty much this Minnesota Vikings team. And Kirk Cousins, the person who everybody said, you know kind of is wrote him off because he has failed in those primetime games. He's been shining this year. Whatever the case, whatever they changed in his game, it could be Justin Jefferson now in his second year doing what, you know, like really productive. But I think he is the front runner. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think Rogers definitely moved up a couple notches this week instead of being on that Bubble four, five, six range. He's definitely top three now, I would say. Um, yeah, this next week, I mean, Packers don't play. They're on their bye week. Uh, so Rodgers isn't going to really be able to kind of make a statement as far as that MVP race. But um, given he's right there just a notch below Kirk, if he has a bad game this week, even though Rodgers isn't playing, I feel like that almost moves him up, even though he hasn't played. So. It's yeah, kind of, or if he lights it up, or if he lights it up, he puts himself a little notch above Rogers even more. So because it's they've all already had their bye week too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all all really in Cousins' hands right now. Again, he's gonna get more. He's gonna get even more looks with cut with uh, Cook being out now. So again, he's really in the driver's seat to go win this MVP. Yeah, and then you have to put Brady in there just because he's fucking leading the league in touchdown passes at 30, and he's second in yards. He's literally only trailing by 11 passing yards. It's like this guy is having one of his best seasons of his life, and he's like the oldest he's ever been. It's You have to, yeah. you have to keep him in there. For sure. This motherfucker ain't won't go away. <laughs> he won't, dude. Like he literally will not. It's just impressive. And then my it last is. question for you: Matt Stafford throws another pick, pick six. Rams lose three straight. Do they get caught by San Fran and not make the playoffs? <sighs> wow. I'm going to say, yeah, just because San Francisco is on a, what, three, four game winning streak now. Um, they're really getting that run game going. Debo Samuel having him a part of it a lot. Three, but he's out two weeks. Oh, yeah, that's right. He got hurt. Last and, week. and there was another main guy who's out for two weeks as well. Both got hurt in their last game. And the Niners schedule. Seahawks, which should be a win. Cincinnati, tough game. Should beat the Falcons. Tough game against the Titans. Should beat the Texans. And then they play the Rams. Last game of the season for the showdown in Los Angeles. 
And then Los Angeles this weekend, easy game against the Jags. Then they play the Cardinals at Cardinals, home against the Seahawks, at Vikings, at Ravens, and then they have the Niners coming to town to finish. So the Niners are in the driver's seat. Both of these teams pretty much have similar schedules, but yeah, I would as well say that the drive the Niners are in the driver's seat at this point. If it comes down to that last game where it's you lose, you're out, you win, you're in. I would I uh, so long as the 49ers are healthy and they get back the couple guys that they have been been without and they're going to be without for the next couple of weeks, I would take the 49ers over the Rams just because again, Stafford is not I don't know. The the defense the defense is still good, but not as good as they were last year. Their run defense isn't as good as has it been as it's been in years past. They aren't getting the turnovers like they used to. Um, Jalen Ramsey's kind of having a bad year where he used to shut down every top receiver. Um, he's he just he doesn't really play corner anymore. He plays more of like a nickel. Yeah, he's he kind of they yeah. move him all over instead of him just being the lockdown guy. And I feel like that's age. Yeah, I feel like he just can't run as fast as some of these four three guys. Yeah, now that outside wide receiver, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just with the trend of the Rams, Stafford not playing like he was the first couple weeks. They are supposed to get Cam Akers back. I don't know if it's next week or the following week, but that's going to help with their run game at least. So that's a little bit of a positive for that Rams offense. But I don't know. Unless their defense can start getting takeaways and their offense can start capitalizing, they're just not – the couple – offensive opportunities they are getting they're not making the best of them whether it's turnovers three and outs just not putting points on the board um yeah it's gonna be fun coming on the stretch but yeah i would definitely give the nod to the 49ers coming out ahead of the rams in that division and then do you think they miss the playoffs rams <sighs> i'm gonna say no i i could see I think it'd be cool to see three teams coming out of that division. I could see the 49ers being the four or five seed and that, or the, the five or the six seed. And then the Rams sneaking in as that final seed. Uh, I don't know, they, they, but they almost have to bank on again, going back to Washington. So long as they slip, that's one less team to worry about. The Vikings have a tough stretch without Delvin cook. Um, if they struggle, Atlanta, New Orleans, they're one win away from putting themselves into the conversation. Yeah. I don't know. I think the Rams are going to slip, but I don't think they're going to slip far enough to uh, go out of the playoffs, which, I mean, which would be good for the Packers, currently sitting at the two seed if they play the seven Rams in Green Bay, if they can repeat what they did offensively last week and clean up a couple things on defense. Um, that'd be definitely a good game to have. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think the Niners catch them as well. They're on a three game heater scoring 30 points, at least in all three games. They're on a roll. And for all every, all the questions that San Francisco had about Jimmy G, he's fucking lighting it up for you. Mm-hmm. He's playing phenomenal. And, you know, that's what you get when he's healthy and he's playing. 
But when he's not, your team falls apart and looks like shit. So it's like, how can you really blame the guy for not staying healthy when he's winning ball games when you need him to? Yeah. I feel like the 49ers have a tough situations on their hands come at the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. Especially, again, I feel like everybody's kind of forgotten about Trey Lance <laughs> since the 49ers have been playing as well as they have. Like you said, um, how long do you make him sit until Jimmy G gets hurt, until his contract's done? It's Like you said, it's going to be a big question mark coming this offseason. And my last question for you, kind of sticking with the NFC West uh, talk, uh, the Cardinals uh, currently hold the one seed. Uh, will they be the one seed in the NFC, or will they lose another game or two down the stretch leaving the door open for teams like the Packers and the Bucks. Um, again, the remaining games at Bears, at home against the Rams, at Detroit versus the Colts at home, at Dallas, and then home against the Seahawks. Um, do they hang on to the one seed? I don't think they do. I think they cough up at least one. Um, and that game most likely to me is going to be the Colts. The Rams are going to play them tough, and the Cowboys are going to play them tough. Also, Chicago Bears at home when it gets cold outside. Khalil Mack supposed to be coming back this weekend. Akeem Hicks also was supposed to be back in the lineup this weekend. That Bears defense, if they if they find a way to shut down Kyler Murray or he gets hurt for another extended period of time or Hopkins is out, A.J. Green out, you know, if they lose one key piece to their puzzle – I feel like the Cardinals are in trouble, but either way, they have three teams who their seasons are going to be on the line, Rams, Colts, and Cowboys. I feel like they cough up at least one, and the Packers have the head-to-head against them, so we would be the number one seed. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the Cardinals finishing the, the at the top. I feel like their little skid that they had without Kyler Murray, granted he's coming back, so who knows how – good he's going to be how rusty is he going to be mm-hmm. does he get hurt you know like there's so many questions i don't think they finish as number one i agree with you and even a team worth throwing in there again winless but they made a lot of good games close against good teams at detroit um if that's in if it's at arizona i think that it's a huge blowout i think still the lions are like they're not going to be expected to have a chance but again, um, a very desperate team. You, they're very unpredictable. You never know what you're going to get. Um, again, that's should be their looking like the easiest game to finish their, their schedule. Um, they got three good chances to win games yet. The Lions. Yeah, Broncos, Falcons, Seahawks. Like those are three teams that they easily could. You never know what you're going to get out of Teddy, Matt Ryan, and Russell Wilson at this point. Because mm-hmm. it just – just real quick about the game last night, it just looked like Russell Wilson didn't want to be out there playing for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. It, it feels like a, tur- a tide has turned in Seattle. It's the end it, – it's like the end of time. Mm-hmm. And then I heard rumors potentially just Pete Carroll leave the NFL and go back to college. Yeah, there's some there's some openings there. Russ move, 
move out of there because there's three teams this next year in the draft. Jets, Giants, and Eagles all each have two picks in the first 10 if the season were to end right now. It'd be Lions, Jags, Texans, Jets, Jets, Giants, Giants, Eagles, Eagles, and then I forgot who's the last team. But it's... Teams have some capital to go get a guy, and if Russ was offered, you know, two first-round picks by the Bears, supposedly, this last offseason, is that still on the table? Mm -hmm. You know? How bad does Philly, is Jalen Hurts their guy? Washington, is Heineke their guy? Houston. You know, Houston, Carolina. Like, there's a lot of questions. New Orleans, Atlanta. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of teams that actually, surprisingly, it's like QBs. What are you going to do? Jets, Broncos, Steelers, it's Browns. Really there's really only six or seven teams in the whole league that are like Colts. Do they stick with Carson Wentz? Yeah. Titans, do they stay with Tannehill? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at it. So long as Rogers stays in Green Bay, that's set. Brady and Tampa. Uh, Brady and Tampa. Stafford Lamar. and Stafford in L.A. Lamar in Baltimore. Chase or uh, Joe Burrows in Joe Burrow. Eddie. Mahomes, Herbert, and Carr are locked at those teams. Josh After Allen and Mac Jones yeah. are locked with the Pats and the Bills. Dak, he's stuck with the Cowboys. Kyler yeah. Murray with the Rams. Okay, so Eugene there are more. Is a question mark. Yeah. Fields is a question mark. Goff is a question mark. And then the whole South, besides Tom, all question marks. Mm-hmm because you can move on and potentially get somebody better. And this is going to be the off season with the cap going back up to offer a little bit more money to get a guy. Yeah. Like for how tight the NFL is shaking up, that's just going to make the off season that much more important to get that missing piece to put you a couple steps up the ladder the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a fun off season, but I mean, before we get to that point, it's been a really fun season as far as just how close every like there's just a couple teams that are separating themselves, but again, they're not that far out of reach. So like even though they're they're like two steps ahead versus I feel like at this point of the season it's like okay, they're five steps ahead of everybody else. Everybody's still within reach. I mean, aside from the bottom five teams in the league, they're kind of just trying to build some chemistry for next year, but really there's 20, probably 25 of the NFL's teams right now are all still playing for a playoff spot. <laughs> Out. Seahawks, Lions. Those are the only two teams that are officially out. And then on the other side, Jets, they're out. Texans and the Jags. So you have five teams out of 32, 27 teams at week 13 still in contention for the playoffs. Like this is a great year to watch football. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Then um, sticking with football talk, moving over to the college football world tonight is the release of the college football rankings. First four in first two outs. 
Um, I mean, who do you got? What's your order? Do you want me? I'll, I'll do the first four, and then we can talk about the first two outs. Um, I kind of took like I feel in my head. In my head, this feels like a little bit of a wild card ranking, but at the same time, it makes sense to me. I had Georgia at one. Nothing changed there. Michigan, I have at number two. Bama three. Cincinnati four is my top four. I have Georgia one. Michigan as well, number two. Cincinnati at three. And if it were up to me, I would put Notre Dame at the fourth spot. Okay. Yeah, I like that as well. Um, I mean, Alabama just barely winning over Auburn in the Iron Bowl this weekend. Uh, that's two two or three really close games that they were expected to win by a large margin that they barely found a way to win, um, which coming on the stretch here in college and in, in, with these college football playoff rankings, uh, strength of victory is makes a big deal. I mean, they dropped from two to three a couple of weeks ago because of how close of the game they have with Arkansas. So, um, I mean, even though I have them at three, if they're at four or five, I would not be surprised either. So, yeah, I have them at five and Oklahoma State at six. Okay. So the, for me, I have Notre Dame at five and then Oklahoma State at six as well. Um, but really, Alabama, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, I wouldn't put Notre Dame higher than four. I wouldn't put Cincinnati. Like if Cincinnati's at three, I wouldn't be surprised. If Alabama's but at five, I wouldn't I got be them surprised. At three, and that's why I had Alabama at five is because – Notre Dame and Alabama both have the same record. However, Notre Dame hasn't fumbled and had these close games that Alabama has had these past couple weeks. So that's why I would slide Alabama down one more. The only chance I would give Alabama at getting back into that top four, if they beat Georgia, you'd even if Notre Dame wins their their championship. Oh yeah. I still would give the nod. Alabama would have to be back into number four. And then it would be a rematch immediately between Georgia and Bama first round of the semifinals. Yeah. Heck then <laughs> in that case, Michigan would be one. So long as they can win the big 10 championship or would you put Alabama to one? No. Cincinnati, maybe. The only undefeated team left. They play. Then they play Notre Dame, right? No, they play Houston. Oh yeah, that's right. Who does Notre, who does Notre Dame play? They don't. Oh, they don't have. Houston, Houston is better. Has a better. I don't understand why it is that way. Or never mind. Notre Dame's not in. Not in the. AAC. They're in the AAC. No. They're in that independent conference. Like Cincinnati is. BYU. No, Cincinnati's not. Cincinnati's in the AAC. Oh. They're with Houston, UCF, East Carolina, Tulsa, SMU, Memphis, Navy, Tulane, South Florida, Temple. That's Cincinnati's conference. Okay. And Notre Dame's is BYU, Army, Liberty, New Mexico State, UMass, Connecticut. 
So Notre Dame plays BYU. Yeah. Is that this weekend too? No, it's not. Hmm. That's why I was confused, dude. They don't play. Notre Dame? Notre Dame, no. BYU played USC on Saturday. It beat USC. Notre Dame beat Stanford 45-14. to 14. The only games this weekend are in the top games are Utah, Oregon, 10-14, Baylor, Oklahoma State, 9-5, Appalachian State at Louisiana, unranked versus 20, Houston, Cincinnati, 16-3, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, 17-18, Michigan, Iowa, 2-15, Georgia, Alabama, 1-4, and then Utah State, San Diego State. Yeah, that's weird. And then the following weekend, Army-Navy game. Toledo, Middle Tennessee, and then East Carolina versus somebody. So Notre Dame is just sitting on the outside looking in, hoping somebody ahead of them loses, basically. <laughs> Somebody's going to, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, Georgia or Bama has to lose. Michigan, Michigan could, lose. could lose. Cincinnati could lose. Yeah, so they're almost like as much as as much as I'm sure they would like to have another dominant win to give them a reason to be in, they are almost in a better spot where they can rest. And if they could sneak in at four, that's an extra game or extra week of rest, and you're guaranteed one loss ahead of you. Yeah, that's just so weird how they don't play another game. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me either. So they just get stiffed on one game per year. Well, I guess you do have way less teams in your conference than everybody else. They have seven. Yeah. And every other one has fucking a lot. (laughs) Well, they should just have it be Notre Dame BYU. Like... Like, I, fuck, even the, the Sun Belt's got 10. <laughs> and their best teams, Louisiana, Coastal, Carolina, and Appalachian State. 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 11 and 1. Mm. But yeah, th- that those would be my rankings. I guess we'll see in a couple hours here what they actually are. I'm excited for that, but I'd give Notre Dame that fourth spot right now. I'd put Alabama on the outside, and they have to earn their way back in. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it was me on the committee, I agree with you 100%. I am just I made mine kind of just based off of what I think. Well, I mean, some of these, some of these are what I think they're going to – like what I would put, but then some of them are like, okay, this is where they're going to be. But also – The only for sure is Georgia won. Yeah. That's it. Because mm-hmm. Oklahoma Cause State. Cincinnati could be two. Michigan could be three. Bama could stay at four. How much weight do they put on that Oklahoma State win over Oklahoma? <laughs> I don't see Not them much. being – I don't see them being – like, I, I could see them being five much. at the highest. 
But then the only thing with Notre Dame is you, your head coach just leaves in the middle of the night and he just accepted a job at LSU. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a coach right now. And you're potentially going to be playing for the college football playoff. Yeah. Like, you just got fucked. <laughs> Pretty much. So that's what I mean. Like, their players have a lot to play for. Mm-hmm. Their coach is saying, okay, I don't even care. Let me go take my $95 million guaranteed piece. Yeah. Fuck the cold. I'm going to the sun in Louisiana. That's for <laughs> catching gators. I guess sticking with that, I was going to ask you this question towards the end, kind of in our just broad NCAA talk, but, I mean, we're yeah, kind, of, kind of on the cusp of it. Uh, as everybody knows, Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma for USC. As you just mentioned, Brian Kelly left Notre Dame for LSU. Which coach will get their new team to the college football playoff first? USC. Pac-12 blows compared to the SEC. You ain't getting out of the SEC with Georgia's head coach and Saban at the reins. You mm-hmm. ain't Kirby. until they're out. Yeah, until they're out, you you don't have a chance. So definitely gonna say USC, especially because I see Caleb Williams, the freshman quarterback. I see him going to USC. I've already seen like eight or nine. Decommits five star recruits decommit and then recommit to USC right mm-hmm. away. So who knows how many Oklahoma guys are going with them? Spencer Rattler, is he going with them? Mm-hmm. He entered the transfer portal. So we'll see what happens. I mean, what? this is a big shakeup. Yeah. Speaking of Rattler, what a couple th- I've only seen it like twice just on like sports outlets, but there's people calling for Rattler to come to Wisconsin and take over Merce's job. <laughs> Which I think he would be a slight upgrade to Mertz, but I don't no. know if I want him. I don't know if I'd want Rattler at the same time. <laughs> I mean, unless unless he took this year as an opportunity to really grow up because he wasn't the guy anymore and he kind of had to humble himself and sit behind the true freshman who dominated. Mm-hmm. Unless he really got humbled, then I could see, yeah, potentially because he is a good quarterback. I just don't like his personality. And how like who who he is as a person, but he's, he's still a real young kid, dude. I put myself in his shoes back when nowhere near who I am today. So he could be growing as we speak, and you always got to give a young man a benefit of the doubt. And I wouldn't be, you know, it'd bring a lot of eyes to Wisconsin games. That's true. Again, I don't know how much weight it has, but I saw it more than. The first time I saw it, I was like, no way. And then I saw it one or two more times. So it's like, okay, so this actually has some weight behind it a little does, bit. Does he have the grades to get into Madison? Yeah, that's true. Because that's the reason why Wisconsin doesn't have all these top-notch people is because the academics to get in is very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Like That's one thing that people never weigh into some of these top-end teams especially big 10 schools, but Wisconsin is definitely one of the toughest schools, you know, to get into in the country. And we're right in the top 25, usually of every single sport. So that just goes to show how great of a university it is all around the board, not just in one area. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I guess finishing that question, I agree with you um, as far as, 
Lincoln Riley definitely inher- inheriting a better program there at USC. Um, but I mean, like Lincoln Riley has better chances to win, but Brian Kelly at LSU, if you are able to go to toe-to-toe and get wins over Georgia and Bama, you have rather than USC having to slowly climb the ladder going through the Pac-12 to make a name for themselves, LSU is being in the SEC, won two big wins from boom, jumping from all the way at the top. So it's it's a high-risk, high-reward where for Lincoln Riley, you have, a, you have an easier path ahead of you, I guess, is the way to look at it. And going, leaving, going to LSU over Notre Dame, it's about the same of a trade-off as far as, like, I actually would prefer Notre Dame probably over LSU. Um, yeah. <laughs> LSU, that's it's tough shooting down there. Yeah. You know, the recruiting, you're fighting all these top-end recruits who are sitting at the top of the board. And... Is LSU above Notre Dame? No, I don't think so. So, yeah, your recruiting class is going to be down the pipeline a little bit, especially with all the moves. And they're saying, uh, what's his name for Cincinnati's coach might end up taking the Notre Dame job. Luke Fickle mm. might end up taking that job at, at the end of the year. TBD, but that's rumor right now. Yeah. One thing that's weird, too, which – instead of shutting down the question, um, he kind of left it open was Cliff Kingsbury was asked about the Oklahoma job. And rather than shutting it down, he was like, I'm just focused on this. This is a, that's a, that's a question that I'd be like, I'll answer later where you think as an NFL coach, best team in the NFL right now, record wise. And like, just, just where you're at, you'd shut that down and like, almost take a Mike Tomlin approach to it, take an insult to it, but he like left the door open as if like he's entertaining it <laughs> come end of the season. That'd make no sense. Cause he sucked in college as a coach. That's why. Yeah. At Texas tech. Out. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he left. <laughs> it's cause he's, and now he's finally got a young group of guys, which is basically like a college team mm-hmm. sprinkled in a handful of really good veterans. He seems like it's, it's coming around finally in Arizona. You know, I don't see. Yeah. There's also another thing, Urban Meyer about the Notre Dame job. Back in 2008, he said that that would, that was his dream job of any job, and reiterated it on yesterday while when they he got asked about it. He's just like, it's all it always has been my dream job. Does he say fuck Jacksonville? I would. <laughs> you probably get paid more too going there. Oh, yeah. And guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. You're not even going to work for it. You're replacing Chip Kelly, who does what? When's the last time they've been doing a college football playoff? Manti Teo? It's been a while. So middle of the road, middle of the road, six and five, getting paid $95 million, just like what's his name at Penn State? Franklin. They signed him to a $95 million. Yeah. Deal. It's like congratulations on going six and five every year. Give me that check. I can go six to five. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. But yeah, then let's hop over into the NBA. Uh, first question. 
Do you think the Lakers find a way to win more than three games this season in a row? I think at some point they will. Um, if they do, it's going to be on the other side of the all-star break. Um, they might take that period to just kind of throw everything in the trash and go back to the drawing board and try to figure things out. But given you're playing every other night, sometimes back-to-back nights, you don't really have time to do that right now. Um, and just given if they were able to close out games, like if they were consistently able to close out like big, big leads, um, I'd say, yeah, in a heartbeat, they definitely could be able to put together a streak, but given multiple times they're in the top of the NBA, as far as losing big and giving up big leads. So it's hard to put together stretches if you can't consistently win big. So, um, for the for the next couple of months, I'm gonna say no, but I guess I'll entertain I'll entertain the idea of them doing it other side of the all-star break. I just I don't. I feel like this team is too veteran heavy where one of them just doesn't have it every single night that they're out on the floor and they just don't have what it takes the energy to overcome that. I just don't think that they could put together a stretch this season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like I said, it's more or less giving the benefit, benefit of the doubt, like I said, after the All-Star break, halfway point, maybe they figure something out. But for the next two months, no. <laughs> uh, my first question for you here tonight, huge game. Warriors, Suns go head-to-head, top two teams in the NBA. Uh, will we see these two teams again in the Western Conference Finals? I'm going to say no. Which team stays? If not, do you see a two, different two teams being representing the West? I see Golden State making it, and for some reason, my gut is telling me. As shocking as this is going to be to say this, I have a feeling that it's going to be the fucking Clippers. I think they're going to get the number two. They're going to be that the team that fights through this year and meets the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. But it could it could be you know it could be the Suns too. I mean, that'd be that third team. I think they're still. I think the Suns may take home the best record in the NBA this season. I just don't see them making it to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. Like, no, they're on a sixteen-game win streak going into tonight. So after starting one and three, they're now seventeen and three. <laughs> so they nobody's been able to get in their way really. They've had a couple close games, but they've found a way to win all of them. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna agree with you just for the sake that I think that they're gonna go cold eventually. This is this is the kind of run you want to be on in April, but they're having it in November. So, um, yeah, but in the NBA too, though you have one hot month like that, you're guaranteed the playoffs. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that they're going to be. I, I could see them being a top three seed, but like I said, they're going to get figured out. They're they m- might be guns blazing too much to begin the year. They're going to have injuries. They're going to have tonight. fatigue. Slow slow down. 
Um, I think the Warriors. Suns are favored by two and a half. Um, I got the Suns. I'll put want to put five bucks on it. Let's do it. Yeah. Are you gonna give me two and a half? So I win. I win if no, the... no, just because. So we're just doing an outright winner. Just because on the road, you guys are seven and one, and at home the Suns are eight and two. So I'm not going to give you that advantage since we have lost one more. Yeah. Plus the Warriors are fifteen four and one against the spread this year, and the Suns are eleven and nine. And have barely covered the spread the last couple of weeks. And the Warriors, yeah. I think, are like eight and zero against the spread in the last eight games or something. So yeah, see, when it comes to basketball, for me, I don't fucking really do the spread, especially when you have two teams that are equally matched. Mm-hmm. The spread doesn't even matter. You throw it out the window. Yeah. Oh yeah. When it's just when when it's a one possession game, anything two and a half, two and a half or less, it's you're I, it's a it's, it's a toss up. Anything outside of one shot. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Anything, anything within one possession. So, yeah, I guess three points then. Um, but yeah, Suns straight up. Sounds good. Yeah, I like the Warriors in this one. But yeah, it'll be a fun game to watch regardless. Uh, I think nine o'clock tonight is when that one's kicking off. Yep, TNT primetime live action. Sounds good. My next question and last question for the NBA. Do you think the Milwaukee Bucks have what it takes as a team to make another title run this year? I'm going to, gosh, I'm going to say no. I think they're going to make another deep playoff run. I could see an Eastern Conference Finals appearance again with the Nets. Um, by that point, I could see a potential Kyrie return to where they need that extra piece, whether he gives in and gets vaccinated or he gets an exemption from the city of New York or the city of Brooklyn to be able to play. Um, I don't see the Bucks going through a healthy Nets team this year. Um, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say another Eastern Conference Finals appearance, but the Nets are looking too good right now. I mean, in a couple months, if the Nets are looking shaky, they got injuries again and Bucks are rolling, then obviously they can go the other way. But currently, as it sits right now, the Bucks are the Bucks are doing well. They, they're, on, they're on a little bit of a streak. They're kind of figuring things out. Years. Yeah, but right now, I think the Nets are still the team to beat out of the East. I, I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to say the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be that team in the NBA Finals again this year. Um, we're still adjusting to the team that we have now compared to the team that we had last year and the couple missing pieces that we lost. DiVincenzo's still got to get back after missing all that time. We're, we're – I feel like we're almost clicking right now, kind of like how the Suns are. Um, we're about to put on a nice little stretch run here, solidify ourselves a nice little lead at that fifth spot and kind of solidify how every single year it's the first five and the rest basically fighting it out. Um, 
I feel like this first five is going to solidify themselves here over the next few weeks. And I really see us beating. They ain't going to have Kyrie, I don't think, this year. And that's going to come back to hurt them, I think. And honestly, I don't even think it's going to be them that we're going to face in the conference finals. I think it's going to be the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. I feel like the I feel like eyes are so much right now on the Warriors and Suns, kind of just how what they're doing in the West. That the East is kind of having no one's a, talked about the Nets, talked Bulls, about the, Heat, yeah. Wizards, or Bucks, who all are doing really good. Yeah. So um, I mean, obviously, as a Bucks fan, hopefully they make it the distance, but um, I want to say they're going to be complacent either, where they're going to be like, oh, we want a title to where like that extra push isn't going to be there. But I don't know. Like, like I said, in a couple months, we'll obviously circle back to this conversation, depending on if the Bucks are looking like the best team in the East or if they're going to be sliding or if they're going to be kind of stuck where they're at. So uh, we will see. Yeah, tomorrow's a good test against the Hornets. Yeah. Um. Uh, last NBA question for you here. Uh, for the NBA play-in format, uh, there will be just five teams from each comments that don't get to play beyond the regular season. In the East, the Celtics are the first team out in the 11th spot. And in the West, the Kings are the first team out. Which of these teams, if not both, finds themselves in the play-in? Celtics are going to get in. Kings are not. Yeah, I was actually surprised to see the Celtics this low. I feel like they were, like, quietly having – Yeah, they start. had a rough start, but they're kind of turning it around a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if – obviously you want to be in the top couple teams right now, but if you're the Celtics, kind of one of those teams on the outside looking in, but know that you can play at that top level, you have a – you have – teams ahead of you to look at and be like, all right, this is who's next. We're so many games back. Let's put together a stretch. Okay, we passed them. Let's move up another notch to where they can keep moving up. But when you're at the top, you can't only you can't really move up any farther than the top. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think the Celtics um, would be the, t- the team out of those two to make it in right now. And the rest of the – those are really the only two teams um, – kind of worth mentioning the rest are way too far behind that unless they have an epiphany Spurs, Spurs still got a shot yeah I guess they'd be the only team other team really worth mentioning but the rest of them are just too far out of it to really make any noise at this point yeah agreed sounds good uh, moving over to the ice then what do you got over there Who's going to be the first team to clinch a playoff spot this season? So uh, there's a there's a lot like looking at the Metro, really like a lot of good great teams there. Over in the Pacific, the Flames are having a great year. The Oilers doing what they're doing, um, and then looking over uh, in the East, Panthers had a great start. Leafs kind of. Slid, uh, slid into that first spot in the Atlantic or yeah in the east and then back to the west the team that I think is going to clinch the first spot 
the Minnesota Wild. Uh, kind of looking at the Central right now, they're the only team really making a lot of noise. Um, they have a four-point lead right now over the Blues. Um, the Avalanche, who are kind of an early season favorite, are really the only team that was expected to be up there with the Wild as far as making a run in that in the Central. But I don't know. I just think the Wild are really kind of separating themselves right now to where they're going to clinch the first spot in the playoffs this year. I'm going to stick with you in the West there, but I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to go the Edmonton Oilers. I think they're going to be the first team to clinch this year, just like I predicted them to be the first team to get to 20 victories. Um, They're well on their way there, being two games yet still behind um, pretty much everybody else. And they're only one win behind the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have three more games played than Edmonton at this point. So Edmonton and Carolina, I feel like those two teams are on a crash course to finish first slash clinch that first spot. But I'm going to give it to the Edmonton Oilers just because bottom of that division, you have Seattle and Vancouver, where if, if they end up falling off too early, you could have the playoffs clinched real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, the Oilers kind of sitting in that second spot in the Pacific, even though they're constantly in the highlight reel and do, doing what they're doing with Dreisaitl and McDavid. Um, I think they're being slightly overlooked to where they're playing really good hockey. And like you said, they're – have one one or two games less played than mo- most of the, the league. So they have an opportunity to kind of leapfrog the flames with those extra ones to get caught up with those games. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely see them being the first team to do that in the Pacific as well. Uh, my first question for you here, uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews currently have the shortest odds to win the Hart Trophy. Uh, Ovechkin is sitting fourth. Uh, Does he deserve to be higher in the list given that he has had the most goals through 22 games in his career with 19, and he's also second in points, fifth in assists? Do you think that he should be moved up a little higher, or do you think that he is kind of good where he's at right now? I was just curious. what, What were the odds that you saw for them? Because the ones that I'm getting is Connor McDavid's the leader, Nathan McKinnon's second, Austin Matthews is third, Nikita Kucherov's fourth, Pasternak's fifth, Dreisaitl's sixth, um, Ovechkin's all um, 3,500 odds. He's down there like 15th or 16th. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't remember where I pulled it from. I mean – every website you look at is going to be a little different. So I guess just going off of this one, um, I mean, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews are kind of, I feel like the, the three names that are constant in the top of everybody's odds list. Um, but I guess in, in the case of the odds you're looking at with Ovechkin being even lower than the one I was looking at, do you think that he should be higher? I don't just because he's really a one-way player 
Like he's not, he doesn't really do it on both ends. I would honestly give it to Nathan McKinnon right now. Um, but there's a lot of season left. If he continues to keep piling it on, I feel like if he keeps it up, he's going to start working his way up that list. I just feel like right now it's a little too early to put him up there just because we're not expecting this longevity to last with these other guys. They're prone doing it every single year. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if he continues to do it, then he's going to continue to climb. But at this point, I feel like right, right in the five to 15 spot, I feel like he is deserving of right now. Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I guess kind of just looking statistically, it's like he should be a little higher, but it, I guess it makes sense again with the longevity, they're kind of taking into consideration that they don't think he's going to be able to do this for a full 82 games. So. And if but, he does, holy shit. Yeah. Tom Brady effect. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, if he can keep, if he can keep it up, he's going to move his way up the list, but. Yeah, because he just put himself – he just passed McDavid for points. Mm-hmm. He's only three behind the league leader in points. And, fuck, he's only one goal behind the league leading goals, too. Like, he's having a hell of a year for Washington, and they need it. If they, if they want to go deep again for a playoff run, it's going to take Ovechkin on all cylinders. And he's really – it seems like he's going after that goals goals total real quick. Yeah. So then my last question, this is a two-parter. Who do you think finishes the seasons the season as the president's trophy winner with the most wins and point slash points? And second, who brings home the hard trophy as the most points in the NHL? Last year, when we did kind of a bracket challenge, I was super heavy on the Oilers, and this year I'm still kind of in that same boat just because they have – Excuse me, it's the Art Ross. The Art Ross is the most points. For most points? Yeah. Okay. Because the Hart is basically just MVP. Yeah, correct. Um, But, yeah, I guess I'm I'm still sticking with the Oilers um, as far as having the most – team points um if there's another team that i i kind of maybe lean on for a close second would be the capitals um right now leading the metro with 33 and i think leaning leading the league or the pens have five as well and the flames have five overtime losses so where if they're able to turn those into regulation wins they'd be even farther ahead in the Metro. So, um, yeah, but if they turn those into regulation losses, they're even further behind. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. So I guess that does go both ways. So yeah, I guess that kind of makes a case for there's the, the opportunity that they could have more points, but also they could have less points where, um, again, looking back at the Oilers, they have no overtime losses. So they get it done in regulation on a regular basis. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Uh, they're going to, le- they're going to lead the league in points this year. Um, and probably have the best record as well. I'm going to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
I think for some reason they're going to finish with the president's trophy and I feel like their curse continues and they get knocked out of the playoffs early. <laughs> I just, for how shitty they started, they really pull, pulled it together. They're nine and one over their last 10. Like they've really put it together as of late, but they're expected to with that team that they have expectations are going to be so high on this team to continue this all year long. I feel like they're going to do it during the regular season and they're just going to choke in the postseason once again. And then for most points um, as a player. Got to go with the boy, Jesus. He's going to, he'll turn on the Jets and he'll catch everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, it almost seems like where the, the, the fatigue sets in for other teams. He, he almost goes backwards. He's <laughs> just got to stop passing at the dry side on doing it himself. Yeah, that's true. Just kidding. That team, I hope that team, they're my Stanley Cup pick. I hope they do like they share the puck or whatever, but that was just a joke. Yeah. It was like each one of them could be like, hey, fuck you. I want to stay ahead. I'm just going to shoot it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my last question for the NHL for you again. Uh, I feel like last last episode I was picking on your Flyers a little bit, so I'm picking on them a little bit again. Uh, they're on a six game skid. What do they need to do to get rolling again? Score some fucking goals. <laughs> They've just been getting outscored, and I, I'm not even going to put it on their defense. I'm I'm going to say goaltending. I feel like they still need to find their for sure number one goaltender. Carter Hart's back to his iffy ways. Yeah, I'm going to put it on our defense and our goaltending. We just need to lock down. We have the talent to score the goals. We have big games coming up here, though, to help us jump back up. Um, But almost missing that toughness, too. I haven't seen that toughness once out of the Flyers at all this season. of Just, like, grounding and pounding teams. Like, I've been accustomed to watching them my whole entire life. Kind of seems like they're a little bit soft this year, and maybe that's going to be a big trade that we make for a tough guy to come over. I mean, I could see us bringing Wayne Simmons back to town from Toronto if they ever want to let him back, let him go. Yeah, Um I mean, it was funny, like, right, right away, your first answer is you got to score more goals. I mean, I've only watched a couple Flyers games myself, like, this year, but usually just kind of browsing around, looking at scores and and stuff. It seems like it's just a lot of lopsided. What's their even differential right now? I feel like. I think they're negative 18. Yeah. Um, minus 12. But it just see, it seems like when they lose, they lose big. There's an, it, it's like, um, it's hard for them to keep it close to where as soon as they lose that momentum, it's hard for them to get it back. But, um, I mean, it's early in the year. It's good to get these shitty stretches out of the way early. I mean, for Kraken, for instance, they finished the month of November winning three of their last four and kind of climbing back up um, in their division as well. So, uh, it's good to get those shit stretches out of the way early, especially with the Flyers being in the Metro. You can't fall behind too long because otherwise you're never going to catch back up. Yeah, going back to their losing streak, they lost in a shootout to Tampa to start it. 
four to three, lost at Boston five to two, got shut out at home four to zero, lost to the Panthers on the road two to one in overtime, lost to Carolina six to three, and then we just played the Devils, who are right ahead of us in the standings in the Metro. So we just went through the gauntlet of top end teams, and we got two points. You know, two points out of the six losses. We'll take it. I mean, everybody's got their tough stretches during the year. Right now is kind of like our a little bit of an easy streak. Um, I don't know why the game got postponed tonight. I saw, I saw that. I was looking at that. I don't know, so there's. I'm guessing maybe New York Islanders break out with COVID or Flyers break out with COVID because. Excuse me, everyone, because um, the game tonight and oh, j- just tonight the calendar's fucking up. Just tonight is the game's postponed, and they I haven't heard a reason why. I haven't seen anything either, but yeah, when I looked this morning, just kind of looking at the slate of games for tonight, I saw it, and I didn't really do any digging. But usually, if a game's postponed, it's because of a COVID outbreak right now. So. Yeah, they got they got some sledding to do. Yeah. And then my last question for you today for today's episode, which kind of sucks because the answer actually came out during a fucking interview that he did today. But do you ever see Tiger Woods golfing a season, a full season on the PGA Tour ever again? And like you said, when he came out today, he said it's not likely that it's going to happen. Um, where he's kind of right right now looking at a couple rounds here and there just to kind of get his feet wet. Um, but when he yeah, he said he's never going to play a major ever again. Yeah, when he was asked about, oh, are you going to have Augusta return, a U.S. Open return, anything like that? He said, basically, one, I'm lucky to be alive, and two, I'm lucky to still have my legs. So I'm just taking it a day at a time, basically. So, um just to see that couple second clip of him back out in the range was like great to see that even. So um, obviously it'd be, a, it'd be a hell of a comeback for him to come back in a major. Um, but uh, as far as a full season, probably not, but I mean, I feel like just, just to like prove he's still an iron man of how many injuries he's went through arguably still one of the best golfers of all time. I feel like we see him back on a course, whether it's in a major or not, we'll see, but he'll be back in a tournament at some point, maybe not as early as expected. Cause I know usually the last episode the one before we were kind of, Oh, like maybe a, a April, May return, but it sounds like that's a little early for him. So maybe midsummer. We might see him back on the course, but five years from now, who knows? Could be, yeah, you know, he could be on the senior tour by the time he decides. I'd like to see him commentating. Yeah, that's very true. I never thought of that. Hear from the one of the best, literally, hear his inside the kind of like the Manning cast, but like the Tiger Cat, like inside the mind of a guy who's fucking done it all. Like, what would, what are you thinking? What would you do? You know. You can help so many people out with the game of golf, educating them that way by having somebody of his prestige being a commentator. Yeah. Yeah, it all depends, I guess, what he wants to do. If he wants to he take he wants that to route. He said he wants to stay engaged in golf, though. 
yeah, when he, he said he still plans to be involved with the PGA Tour for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. So, so that's my indication of do we see him as a commentator? Yeah. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be cool. badass. Or even just for the, not like the ceremonial, like first tee off, like how they have, like, they've had like Nick, uh, Jack Nichols and some of the old, like, um, who just passed away yesterday. Um, so, old, a golfer. Uh, he was the first African American to play on the PGA Tour. Um, I can't remember. It's, it's, it's something with an E. I, I, uh, uh, as soon as you say it, I'm going to know, or I'm going to be like, yeah, that's it. But um, Charles Luther Sifford. No. Uh, was the first African American to play on the PGA Tour. Maybe it was a major. And he died in February 20. 20- 15. Okay, so that wasn't him. Um, Lee Elder. Lee Elder, the guy yes. Who broke the color barrier. Yeah, Lee Elder. That's who it was. He just passed away yesterday, I believe. Yeah, he was the first guy to play at the Masters. Masters, okay. Mm-hmm. I knew it was, it was a first of something. Um, but yeah, as far as like older guys like that, how they have like a ceremonial first tee off in like those majors, I can see Tiger doing something like that as well. Uh, yeah, and then my question for you, closing out today's episode, uh, been a lot of signings going on around the MLB with free agency. Uh, supposedly, when late Wednesday, they're expecting a lockout. Um, and once a lockout happens, no free agent signings can happen. So there's a lot of guys who are trying to find who they're going to be playing for come spring training. So there's been a lot of signings happening. Uh, one of the biggest moves, Max uh, Scherzer signed with the Mets um, for a deal that is um, more than some fr- franchises have for their whole team. It was just a, a, another blockbuster signing. Uh, do you think them signing him is enough to get back to the postseason? Again, looking at kind of the 2021 standings, they finished with a record 77-85, 11 and a half games back in the East. Is he enough to kind of right their wrong, at least in the bullpen? I don't think that's what it takes. It's going to take more than just that. Um, Especially because they just they had uh, Javi Baez – he signed with Detroit, so they, they don't have him anymore either. So that's another spot that to kind of fill. Yeah. Yeah, he signed a seven-year deal there. Um, yeah, this is going to be interesting, especially, like you said, since the, when the lockout literally starts tomorrow night. Um, one minute before midnight. Well, excuse me. To, yeah, minute before midnight Eastern time. That's when the season will be locked out. And... I don't even see a CBA getting done anytime soon. No, they have. I mean, the have... players, the players are pissed about their shrinking revenues, and it's like, how much are you making already? It's like I understand you want more money, and they're probably 
could be paying you way more, but it's like still, how much is enough money, dude? Yeah. Which I mean, they have time. I mean, like, there should be a limit that you can pay somebody, like a limit, set limit throughout all sports, throughout all jobs, throughout all. You make excess of that, all starts going to people that fucking need it. Because you literally would have to be a moron to fucking spend all that money. Yeah. Or not invested into something that's going to make you your money back. You know, like, fuck. It irks me that this is what, what they're literally fighting over is wanting to get paid more money. And it's just like, what was the, the Mets just spent $550 million mm-hmm. for two guys. Yeah. Like, are you f- that's all I got to say about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, I guess kind of answer the question with the Mets um, as much as it's having arguably the best uh, starter in your bullpen. Um a starter is not going to make up an 11 and a half game deficit from a year ago. Um, he might get you like five to eight more wins than you had last year, based on how, how often you have him in the rotation, if he's healthy, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, them going on getting him, although it's a step in the right direction. Uh, again, with lo- losing Javi Bias to Detroit, you got to go out and get, even more now. <laughs> yeah, but they did. Texas Rangers just spent $500 million on two guys, too. It's yeah, like, Marcus Simeon and... What's his name from the Dodgers? Cody Seager. Seager, yep. Yeah, once the lockout starts, teams are kind of fucked. Mm-hmm. Are these players? Players who are free agents, like... Free agents, no trades, sitting at, no sitting baseball at, activities. Sitting at home, like, can't do shit. That includes all baseball facilities shut down, can't go train there, can't do nothing. Mm-hmm. And your checks aren't coming. Hmm. Oh, no. What am I going to do with my $200 million while I wait for two months for them to figure it out? <laughs> Oh, I already have $750 million in the bank. I got to wait for 350 more. Yeah. Like, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that's all I got for today. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for stopping by. We appreciate all the love and support. We'll be back tomorrow for a kick-ass episode of In a League of Their Own podcast. See you then. <laughs>